Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, (laughs) making your second half of life even better than the first. Today, we'll be talking with Ed Schwartz, the chairperson of PEER, which stands for Personal Enrichment in Retirement, an organization whose members are passionate about lifelong learning. Now, before we meet Ed and find out more about his group, let's step back for a moment and look look at the growing movement toward lifelong learning. This approach to learning has become quite popular, partly because many of us are fortunate to be living longer. <clears throat> and as we head toward the traditional retirement, we're naturally excited to be done with day-to-day work, but also find ourselves wondering, what will I do with myself? Sure, I have hobbies and grandchildren, but I like to travel after the virus subsides. But will that be enough to keep me engaged for long? At the same time, research studies have found that continuous cognitive stimulation is one of the keys to increasing longevity and decreasing the risk of dementia in our later years. On top of all that, online learning events and workshops have, well, virtually exploded in the response to the pandemic, keeping us busy, stimulated, and connected, even as we've been forced into physical distancing. In today's conversation, Ed Schwartz will talk about how PEER has evolved over 40 plus years into a dynamic and resilient group whose members are not just the audience, but the creators and presenters of all their subject matter. An active presenter himself, Ed will tell us about some of his diverse offerings. We'll also hear from a few other peer members who will be calling into the show. With peer, lifelong learning has clearly taken on another life. It may be an outlier, and then again, it just may be a new model for lifelong learning for unretiring retirees around the country. So now to find out why peer may in fact, have few peers. Let's meet Ed Schwartz. Ed, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Ron. Thank you very much for having me, uh, giving me this time, but more importantly, to talk about this very unique organization, Peer. Uh, We're unique in a number of ways. You touched on a couple of them, very important uh, Mm -hmm. uh, aspects of peer that make us different from other lifelong learning organizations. Ed, before you you get into the organization itself, why don't you just talk a little bit about your background and how you connected with peer? You've been uh, retired now for about 10 years, right? Just about. It's going on 10 years at the end of this year. And maybe I should blame, no, I'll, I'll thank my wife for getting me involved in peer. Um, I was retiring in, mm, let's see, the the end of December of 2011. And uh, I believe it was in the fall of uh, 2011, there was an article in Newsday about this organization on Long Island uh, housed at Hofstra University as part of Hofstra's continuing education group. Um, So my wife cut out the article, stowed it away for uh, later reference, and you know, she retired about the same time. We had some personal tidying up to do, but once we got um, our personal things in order, she dug out the, the article. I called Hofstra, uh, was contacted by a lovely man, Steve Wetton, 
a great, great member of Peer. And uh, he invited me down. And the rest is history, as they say. Interesting. Okay. And it's not something that I've uh, regretted at all. Right, right. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, you know, these kinds of, uh, you know, uh, groups uh, where it's sort of a combination of cognitive and social engagement yeah. are, are really key to, uh, you know, lasting a long time. And, uh, you know, along there, there are a few studies. In fact, there's one done in Finland and then another one that's it's being replicated in the, in the U.S. by the Alzheimer's Association called the um, U.S. Pointer Study where it, it just shows that the cumulative impact of, of exercise and good nutrition and social engagement and cognitive stimulation is really significant, you know, taken together to reduce the risk of dementia. So it's really uh, something you can do quite ahead of time, but, you know, not only enjoyable, but really has, you know, a, a practical and real health benefits. Yeah, Ron, people wise people plan their financial, the financial end of retirement. They want to make sure that they have enough money to, to last in retirement and maintain a lifestyle that they are used to and that they want. Uh, that's, that, that's an obvious thing that people have to do. You have to sit down with your accountant's visor and sharpen the pencil and make sure the numbers work for you. But they don't always think of really what happens after that. Uh, they may have the financial house in order, but if they leave work on Friday, and I, I was in human resources for mm, 35 or so years, my career. Wow. And I used to say to people who were, would talk to me about retirement, you, know, uh, you really have to think after you have that farewell dinner or luncheon on Friday, what you're going to do with yourself on Monday. You know, the, 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 the notion of waking up late, not having to, to be the slave to the alarm clock, that's grand. But by the end of the first week, you begin to say, what am I going to do with myself? Right, right. Television doesn't enrich. It doesn't stimulate. Uh, it doesn't provide socialization. Where do I want to keep myself mentally active? Uh, peer is... Wonderful. And there are other organizations um, that, that, that do something similar to Peer. But I, I do think Peer does it better. It's a, yeah. a little bit of a plug. Yeah, well, let's talk about Peer. Let's talk, and how does it operate today? It's, it's got actually a long history. It's, uh, you mentioned me before. It's over 44 years. But how does it work? Well, Peer is, this is one of the things that makes Peer unique. And if I can draw a little bit of an analogy in uh, American history, particularly in the aftermath of the American Revolution, mm -hmm. uh, the United States didn't have a constitution. We had the Articles of Confederation, which created this loosely, you know, loose bylaws that, that tried to keep the 13 former colonies united. That's how peer is. It's more like the Articles Confederation. We have a whopping set of bylaws, five pages hmm. long, um, that provides guidance and guidelines to how we will operate, including having, having and I'll use this word guardedly, a governing body. We have a council of uh, representatives from the members, and then we have officers. Uh, we meet regularly. Uh, we have administrative meetings. But 
It's a member-centric organization. So I like to say my job over the last almost four years as chairperson has been trying to herd the stray cats. But the stray cats I'm herding are just wonderful, wonderful uh, felines. They really are terrific. And uh, that's how we, we operate. That's, those are our governing uh, rules. But then we also have a curriculum. Mm-hmm. We create a curriculum topics, subjects, themes that the members are interested in, and then the members make the presentations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do the research, put together the PowerPoint. Some people have marvelous, marvelous uh, technical presentations. Some people give the old college lecture, and some of our lecturers are fabulous. I wish I had them back in college. Mm. Um, some people have a a combination of approaches. Uh, but this is what keeps our members mentally acute, aware. Right, right. And, and, and about how many do you have? How often are these presentations? Well, uh, we used to, I can talk about the old days, and you alluded to that, the pre-pandemic era. Mm-hmm. Um, in, before March of 2020, we would have three sessions a week, uh, two classes in the morning, two classes in the afternoon. So we would have six classes um, a week. Each class would be an hour and a half. And we were housed in the magnificent Hofstra campus in, uh, on Long Island in Nassau County. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pandemic struck. We uh, correctly were had to leave campus. The campus was shut down. But it's the resiliency of our members and the commitment of our members to each other, to, to lifelong learning, that we were then able to move off campus and we started offering our, our presentations via Zoom. Mm-hmm. We curtailed the number of presentations, but uh, we do have, I guess it's three times a week, we are offering uh, presentations to our members. Right, right. And, uh, Why is Zoom? Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that you mentioned to me in one of our previous conversations was that, you know, um, technology uh, is sometimes a challenge, uh, but it's also <laughs> something that, uh, that uh, many people can adapt to. And I think that's something that, you know, people, especially as you get older, people say, wow, people, I don't know, these seniors in technology. But I think you mentioned to me that, that, that you've got some rather senior members who are pretty vital and can handle the technology pretty handily. Uh, that is really worth uh, spending a couple of minutes on, Ron. Um, I'm a Luddite. <laughs> I, 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 given my, my druthers, I would use a quill pen to communicate and probably right. uh, carrier pigeons. So I'm really, I have trouble spelling PC. But when we were removed from the Hofstra campus and using the facilities of Hofstra, the administrative support of Hofstra, I threw out a, an email to uh, members and I said, is there anybody who thinks that they could master Zoom uh, to link us together so that we can I have presentations, and uh, two people step forward, and uh, they may be listening. I'll embarrass them by mentioning their names, Terry Kaufman and Bert Mitchell. First of all, they're wonderful people in and of themselves, but they were wondrous in terms of taking Zoom, learning about it, 
learning the nuances, the ins and outs, not just pressing buttons to you know, get onto a presentation or give a presentation, but really mastering the inner workings of Zoom. And they are the people who over the last 12 months have been so critical in allowing us to stay united, albeit, you know, uh, in the ether. Right, right, right. And, and, and just one more thing. They, they were, they, they're proof that learning always goes on if you want to learn. Right. And they've done a marvelous job. And when I talk to them, they say, we continue to learn things about this. Um, it, it's just they've been a godsend. Right, right. Yeah, I mentioned this uh, this quote in a previous show, and it's worth mentioning again. It's uh, one of my favorite people, a woman named Rosalind Yallow, who is a Nobel Prize winner mm-hmm. of medicine uh, from Hunter College. Uh, and she was, uh, you know, a nuclear physicist. And her quote is, the excitement of learning separates youth from old age. As long as you're learning, yes. you're not old. And I think that really is true. That really rings true for me. And I think it keeps you young to, and I think that, you know, you mentioned to me one of the, one of the challenges is that you, um, you know, you've got to put together each of your presentations. You've got to research it. You've got to do it. Um, and, and that in itself, you know, is different from being a, a passive listener. Uh, the research, the deep dive into things, uh, really has enriched me. It's brought me back to my days when I would take uh, the flushing line from Sunnyside, Queens, into the New York Public Library at night to do research through in the uh, main re- reading room, something that I really loved, particularly my last two years of, of college and staying in the library uh, all, all kinds of hours. It was you know, something that I, I embraced. And uh, 40 years later, 50 years later, I guess, um, I'm back, not going to the, <laughs> the library uh, in, on Fifth Avenue, but going to the library or going to um, re- uh, resources on the computer to find out about things, and it's, it's eye-opening and enriching, rewarding. Um, I think that quote is so apt. When you can have people who are 95 years old, I'm not there yet, uh, hope to get there and hope to be you know, uh, mentally alert, but we have people 95 years old dazzling folks with what they know, with the research they've, that they've done, the creativity when they present. You, you, you say this is, you know, these are folks who haven't given up on life, nor should they. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have um, an aunt, uh, my Tia Dory, we call her as, uh, she's been an artist all her life, you know, a porcelain painter and uh, other kinds of uh, uh, artistry. And uh, she's 99. And she still yes. sends us, uh, her, she, she lives in a continuing care community now with her daughter. And um, every week she does uh, posters for people in the community and she, she posts them and I see them online and they're really terrific. And I mean, it's just like, you can do this. So um, uh, and you, you things, certainly can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And one we, of the things too we, is uh, that, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ed. Well, I'm sure he's not listening uh, for, for various reasons, but one of our members uh, is a, a retired dentist. His name is Sidney Wasserman, mm-hmm. and there is not a topic that 
is presented where he does not know something about. And I asked him once how he, he just has such a broad array of knowledge. First of all, he's, he's unique. He, he has a, uh, 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 he, he's got a mind he thinks just, just like a steel trap uh, but he said when he was a dentist he used to close his office at a certain hour and spend two hours in the office just reading an array of material uh, so at 95 or 96 and uh, that he's probably the one of the smartest people I've ever met. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's wonderful to be around people like that. You know, if you play sports and you play with and against good people, they elevate your own game. And when you're with people who are so committed to learning, it elevates you. And right. more people have right. to do that. Right, right. And one of the things that uh, I think is interesting, too, is that, you know, Whatever um, the pandemic has done to us, and it's been quite a pride, um, you know, the ability to, to use Zoom has really been interesting because it, it in some ways has now increased the, the ability for people to participate. Um, and it, I think that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's now, you know, in, in education, there was something called, you know, a while ago, online learning. And now then there's hybrid learning of classroom and um you know, uh, uh, and uh, online. Uh, but I think that uh, usually they were consecutive, but now we have the ability to really, you know, take your your sessions and, uh, you know, broadcast them nationwide and really broaden the group as well as have, get back to some person to person. So uh, we're going to take a short break, Ed, but when we get okay, back, sure. I, uh, we're going to have for you talk a little bit more about some of your presentations and then uh, ask some of your members to call in and talk about their experiences as well. So, Very folks, good. we're going to take a short break. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward, where we're talking with Ed Schwartz, the chairperson of PEER, Personal Enrichment and Retirement, a dynamic, lifelong learning group based uh, through the continuing education program of Hofstra University. 
So before the break, we were just talking to Ed about some of the presentations, and I asked uh, if he could just give a sense of, you know, a couple of things that he's talked about in in, in recent times. Uh, I, I'll take two, if you don't mind, sure. Ron. Um, and this is for the people who have uh, uh, maybe a, a little bit of leaning towards sports. Um, we we had a sports uh, segment on sports, a class on on sports, and I did a presentation on the real miracle on ice. Now, huh. for those of a certain age, they know about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team winning the gold medal in upstate New York. Um, and there have been movies made about that, and some of the players played in the pros and uh, uh, wrote books. Uh, the coach went on to uh, coach in, uh, in professional ranks. But in my mind, the real miracle on ice was a bunch of guys in 1960, amateurs, who got together. You know, some of them were college players. One of them was a fireman from the Boston area who got together, uh, put together by uh, a fellow by the name of Riley, who was the coach of West Point. And um, they played a few games together before going up against the best teams in the world in Squaw Valley in California in 1960. And they won the gold medal in hockey. And I believe uh, the prognosticators had said they probably would finish last among the, I think there were eight teams in the Olympics. And to, to read about them and to research their story and their background was, uh, was just marvelous. And I do remember uh, that, uh, uh, them winning uh, at, uh, at Squaw Valley. And they touched the nation in 1960. But because that was 61 years ago now, um, they've been largely forgotten. So I reminded the group about, in my mind, the real miracle uh, on ice, the 1960 uh, Olympic hockey team. Right. I and think for any listeners, it's worth them looking that team up. Right. Great right. Th- individual stories. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we're used to, uh, you know, well, of course, there was a TV uh, you know, docudrama made about the 1980 team, right? I think that yes. was the, uh, yes, the was. team. So, so that was, uh, and I remember watching that game, but I was, uh, I guess I was. A little, I still could have watched the 1960 game, but I was a little young and not quite a hockey fan yet. So that was that's a good a good recovery uh, of history there, uh, Ed. So good. That, yeah, that's great. I, 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 and I did remember watching a number of those games. Uh, my my older brother was a, a big hockey nut and hockey enthusiast, uh, so we watched uh, those games in the Olympics and that that uh, uh, those five or six days that they played just left a. An impression on me, and I felt that those those fellows really didn't get their just dessert; that they were overshadowed by the '80 team. So I'll still stick to the real miracle, Ron, the 1960 <laughs> good. team. <laughs> good, good, great. That's great. That's great. The, the, the other presentation I did among a number of, uh, I think, is another somewhat forgotten bit of history, U.S. history, but a very critical and important one. Something, a piece of legislation that made the U.S. what it is today, and that was uh, legislation, please forgive me, I'm going to forget the formal name, but uh, it was passed in 1944, I think FDR was still the president, he, hadn't, he died in uh, 
April of 44. Maybe it was Harry Truman. I'm sorry, it was Harry Truman who signed the legislation. Uh, the GI Bill of Rights, uh, recognizing that these uh, men and women had made major contributions and sacrifices for their country, uh, the United States felt that they really deserved something extra. Uh, had to be recognized and rewarded for what they did. The lives that they gave, the time they gave up, obviously some of them lost their lives and couldn't take advantage of the GI Bill, but those who could, uh, the government extended such a useful hand to them and took people who would not have thought about going to college and sent them to college. When they were not your typical college students, they were 21, 22 years old. But they were a mature 22 years old. These are people who had seen so much of life, some of it they would you know, regret it having seen. But the country reached out to them, provided them with not just education, but help setting up businesses, buying homes, starting farms. And um, it, it, it really helped to make the middle class in America. And I think we really... Uh, uh, benefited to such a great extent from that piece of legislation. I call it the forgotten piece of civil rights legislation because of what it did for uh, for so many people in America. Right. And uh, that was a presentation I made, I guess, a couple of years ago. I combined the presentation with um, a C-SPAN video uh, historian, talking about the, the various nuances of that piece of legislation. So those right. are the two of the things that I've done. Right. But right. Uh, I, yeah, that's, again, that's, the real rewarding part is the, the, the research. Right, right, right. Now, I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm told that we have a couple of our uh, your members on the line, and I think uh, we're going to try Very to get good. first uh, Al, Al Drotel in to see uh, have <laughs> him give a sense of what he's been up to. Al, are yeah, you on hi. the line? Uh, the, yes, hello. Hi, Al. Uh, uh, yeah, we, uh, of course, uh, peer is different from most other lifelong learning programs. And uh, what are some of the things, Ed, that make peer different uh, from your perspective? Uh, from my Hello? perspective, Al? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's the fact that we do it ourselves. We really do. We had, right. when we were on campus, we did have administrative support from Hofstra, but we didn't use the faculty. We didn't uh, uh, use the laboratories. We uh, did use classrooms that they provided uh, to us. But it's the members getting together, planning a curriculum, uh, finding out people who can make the presentations doing the presentations, engaging people in those, in the presentations. And then there's another aspect, and, and you, again, in your introduction, Ron, you mentioned this, there's the socialization that becomes so critical to people. No man is an island. And people are able to get together face-to-face. Friendships are formed. Uh, lifelong friendships are, uh, are formed even later in life. So I, I think it's just the... That uniqueness, Al, the, the member-centric aspect. But what's your take, right. Al? No, that's my take, too. But I also want to mention, I, I, was in, I attended two other programs, one at Florida mm-hmm. Atlantic University 
and one at Johns Hopkins University. Both were led professor-led, and it was totally different. And in uh, uh, peer, it's really family-oriented. You feel like yes. you're part of a group, a part of the family, and uh, that it, it overall makes the program unique, I think, in addition to our uh, doing our own presentations. So it's really a wonderful feeling being part of being part of peer. I just want to say, Ron, about Al. Al has worn a multi, uh, multiple hats at Pier. Uh, not only is he a terrific presenter and a course leader, um, you sit at one of Al's presentations and you walk away, you say, gee, this was a good day. I'm a lot smarter now than I was before. Um, <laughs> but uh, he also is responsible for uh, publicity uh, with the organization, trying to get the Pier name out there to the community to try to draw in uh, more members. And the other thing that he did... Al, uh, why don't you yeah. pick up it and, and just talk about... Uh, okay, I don't know what the other thing is he wanted to say that I did, well, but, um, you know, one of the things is about Ed, that he is really a history buff. He's incredible. I mean, I consider myself a history buff, but he knows far more than I do. And mm. uh, when it comes to adding information uh, in the Q&A after your talk, he's a font of information about what's happening. Right, right, right. Now, Al, I think, uh, I'm, I think there's some other people online I'd like to get in. Um, uh, okay, I think, uh, good. Have, hey, uh, good talking to you. Thanks very much for calling Bye-bye. in. Uh, I believe we Bye. have uh, Terry Kaufman or Terry Simon, what, you, a couple of Terrys on the line. Okay. Uh, is, hi, is it me? Hi, Terry. That, uh, Welcome. Am I now? Yes. Hi, Terry. Hi. Welcome this to the is, show. This is, well, thank you. Uh, my name is Terry Simon, and uh, I work closely with Ed. <clears throat> I'm the chair of the curriculum committee, so I help set up the curriculum, get people to sign up to lead courses, to present courses, make last-minute changes in case if something comes up and a person is not able to do it. Uh, but it's, it's a labor of love, as Ed was talking about and Al before me. Uh, we've become family. Uh, I've been with uh, Peer about 12 years now, and I actually started uh, while I was, before I was totally retired, when I was still working part-time, and uh, just went like once a week, and even that was a wonderful uh, experience uh, to now going full-time, and uh, it's, uh, it's an eclectic group of people with myriad of interests, and it's amazing People can be doing a program on, let's say, a uh, certain battle in World War II, and someone will pop up. I was in that battle. Right, right. You know, <laughs> yeah, the the yeah. people are just have, I mean, the interests are so diverse, and we go from history and music and art uh, we have an ongoing Shakespeare class. We uh, used to have an ongoing physics class when we were in person, and uh, everything in between. Uh, you've got not only super intelligent people, but talented people, and it's just uh, 
an amazing way to spend your retirement as well as constantly learning new things, which, of course, helps keep you sharp, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a magnificent organization. Terry, what, what are some of the uh, programs you, you presented? Like an, uh, okay, uh, I actually, <laughs> the very first program I presented was um, on the Lember of South Africa, which is a group of black uh, people that consider themselves the their ancestors being the from Queen of Sheba and King Solomon and they practice the oral laws of Judaism because they were cut off they didn't have the written law but uh, they kept a lot of the the laws of Judaism and as time went on uh, people discovered them and brought in more uh, Torahs and and prayer books and so forth, and wow. it was it was a very fascinating uh, topic, and uh, you know it it was something that most people didn't know about, including myself, until I had heard about it. And I've done uh, programs on uh, one I did recently was on uh, part of the American Songbook series on Billie Holiday, who wow. I absolutely love. Um, right. And she just recently, they just did a movie about her and uh, uh, how the United States government was laser-focused on getting her uh, arrested and charged with uh, drug abuses and drug addiction and so forth. Uh, Wow. And I've done something on, uh, we had something on uh, female... um, Stars, and I did something on Catherine Hepburn, which I enjoyed. And of course, all of that includes little video clips or audio clips of movies, or in, ca- in case of Billie Holiday, her music. I did one. I'm a avid sports fan too, and oh. I did one on the 1970s uh, Knicks team, the golden age of the New York uh, Knicks. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I remember and, that moment of uh, Willis Reed coming onto the court, you know, yes, injured. And, yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. And uh, and I had had an experience when I had been working in a place upstate New York, in Westchester County at mm-hmm, that time mm-hmm. called Wiltrick School for Boys. And uh, I had gotten Wilt Frazier to come uh, wow. to do... Uh, we had a, a sports night where the mm-hmm. kids got little trophies and stuff for uh, right. different sports right. activities. Uh, right. I worked in the activities uh, department, and I contacted the Knicks, and Clyde came with all huh. his pink car, and you know, huh. and the boys just went wild. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Terry, how long does it take for you to prepare for some of these presentations? I'd say usually... A couple of months, uh, oh, okay. you know, not con- continuously, but, uh, you know, to get all the research done and uh, try to and put a PowerPoint presentation together and coordinate the whole thing uh, usually takes, you know, a minimum of a month uh, yeah, or two yeah. of time. 
Yeah, but when you do and, it, you really, yeah. you really, you really get to learn the subject. I mean, I know that. Uh, oh, absolutely! You know, you, it's, it's, you, it's, you you learn so many new things yourself, and a lot of it is not only doing things, even though some people would do something on, let's say, whatever their vocation was, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. most people are doing things that something sounded interesting or. Uh, a leader would say, gee, can you do a program on XYZ, whatever it happened to be, and say, okay, and you start researching something that you had no concept about before, and, uh, you know, and all of a sudden a whole new world is open to you. Right, right. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, uh, when you, you go ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to say, you know, the age of peer runs uh, from, for the most part, from the 70s to the 90s, with, wow. I'd say, more people in the 80s than the 70s, even. I happen to be oh. uh, right. in my mid-70s, right. uh, but the... We're going to just hold, hold that thought. We'll get back, back to that. But we need to take another break. And when we come back, we'll have more about uh, the, the ages of groups, uh, the people in the group, and some more about presentation. So uh, stay with us, folks. We'll be back very shortly. the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mac. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're on uh, with Ed Schwartz of Peer, Peer Enrichment in Retirement, talking about this uh, unique and fascinating program. Uh, we were talking with some of his fellow members before the break, and I think we have another one of uh, the members uh, 
uh, I believe it's Terry Kaufman, who has been patient on the line, wanted to uh, have her come in and see uh, what she has to say. Hi there. Hi, Terry. Uh, <laughs> hello. Uh, I'm so happy that you were able to pick me. Yes. Anyway, uh, I wanted to say that you do not have to be super intelligent <laughs> to be a member of PEER. Uh, when I first joined PEER, which was in 2012, uh, I had no experience preparing or making presentations. I was really from a, a business background, I, uh, and I viewed all these people who were uh, professionals, doctors, lawyers, at, uh, people from education, and uh, however, I was greeted very warmly, and I was told at that time that I did not have to make a presentation for a year. So mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'll give it a year, and then I'll decide whether I will stay or make a presentation. Uh, I did. I did. I was encouraged by uh, one of the members to make a short presentation at that mm-hmm. time. And it, it, uh, like the, uh, the speaker before, it took me several months, not wow. continuously, not continuously. And uh, I, I was very nervous standing in front of these uh, super intelligent people, is what I thought. They were very courteous, and they were very... Uh, uh, when, during the question and answer period, they only had positive comments, and I was—I felt so good about it, and I was hooked. Right. Uh, right. What was, what was the topic? I enjoy doing the research. Uh, it's easy. Most of it you get on the computer and from your local library. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from the other presentations and the one ones I've done that it's opened up a whole new world to me. Right. Uh, I be, I'm more interested when I go to the museums or when I read the paper because of Piers' present presenters. Right. Uh, and I have to say one of the most enjoyable parts is when we have conversations during lunchtime. Uh, you have these uh, uh, people who have such a wealth of knowledge and uh, analyze things, and it, it's really great. Great. Um, yeah, one of the things that I, I think that Ed has mentioned to me, I think was an interesting uh, aspect of it, too, is that there, there really, there's a lot of interaction, but there is no crosstalk. In other words, you know, you people can direct questions to you and, and it's, uh, you know, it's positive and inquisitive, but there's and people can, you know, have views on things, but there's no uh, none of this crosstalk that we're, we're so much, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> faced with these, you know, strong opinions facing off. I think know. if I can say that people have open minds. They're willing to take the information that is being given to them and think about it. Um, it may not change their minds, or it may open another door. So uh, this is what I find, that people are open to listening to different uh, views. Right, right, right. And what was your topic, Terry? 
Oh, I had many topics because oh, okay. I knew nothing to start off with. I did, well, the first one I did, uh, uh, one of the first ones was the longevity. Uh, the research that was being done on longevity, uh, I came to that because of the time my mother was 108 and uh, and I wanted to know how it, you know, what came about. I did things on archaeology. I did something on Lenny Bruce and Tchaikovsky. I like to, I like to find out uh, about people, about people, how they, uh, came to achieve uh, the greatness that they did and what they were as youngsters, whether it showed up when they were youngsters or right. whether it came later on. So right. I have done a lot of presentations. I do a two or three a year. Mm -hmm. um, but I really enjoy it. And when I look out into the audience, I see... Uh, friendly faces and it makes right. me feel good that's great that's great well thanks very much terry i think i'm going to ask ed to come back and join us um and talk a little bit more about the program uh uh ed are you back i'm here ron thank you very much okay good thanks well thanks for getting in touch with some, some of your members and having them on um well they they the three of them are very worthy and i just want to touch on the two Terry's I already mentioned sure. now. Uh, Terry Simon is, in addition to being an outstanding presenter, she runs our curriculum committee, right. and she puts the programs together with input from others. Marvelous job that she's been doing for a number of years. Right. Uh, you know, Not an easy job, but she does it with a smile. Terry Kaufman is one of the people who I said is uh, one of the saviors, one of the heroes of Pure, along with this fellow, Bert Mitchell, because she mastered Zoom and kept us going and kept us uh, uh, making presentations. So uh, both of them are, are, are wonderful, wonderful, yeah. marvelous yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, so that's they, great. They, they deserve special yeah. accolades. Yeah, yeah. I think that this it's it's really quite a dynamic program, and you know you've managed to change and be resilient with our our new our, our Zoom environment. And I, I hope you come back uh, with um, you know uh, some sort of hybrid program in the future. Um, I think that you know it's interesting. There there are a lot of programs around the country. I mean, some of them um, you know are there are some local programs here in Long Island. Uh, there's the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute which uh, is affiliated with one of our universities here, but it's uh, across the nation. Um, there's uh, edx.org, this, you know, the, that you can go online. I guess they call them MOOCs, these massive open online courses where people can, you know, you know take courses from Harvard and Yale and various universities. Um, you can go to your senior centers, you know, locally or your alumni associations or your community centers. But they don't have this level of participation that you talk about, you know. I think that really makes the difference where people are really engaged. You know, it's not, uh, again, th th these other programs are great, but I think it's um, it's a level of engagement that really uh, gets people going and, and really gets their, their minds really working, like yours. <laughs> Let me just say, um, I, I think that this, is, this could be a model for um, – uh, many other uh, places around the country. Um, uh, 
you know, that, uh, that people could really learn from and, and, and act that. Uh, is that is that your feeling, Ed, that you could basically act as a model for uh, the piece? Ron, I, 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 I just got cut off, so I'm sorry about that. I just rejoined. I, I didn't catch your, uh, uh, your question. No, my, my, my question, uh, Ed, was, you know, that, that the level of engagement in this program is really what makes it distinctive. And I was wondering whether, you know, in fact, this could be a model for other retiree groups around the country. I think it could be. It does require commitment, dedication, um, uh, and interest. But those are things that people should be seeking in retirement. They should want to stay engaged. They should want to stay interested. Terry Kaufman, a few minutes ago, mentioned the social aspects of peer. Organizations like PEER, whether they're OSHA organizations or continuing education programs, have a socialization aspect to them, and that can't be ignored. We need to uh, connect with people, uh, stay connected to people. It's become more difficult over the last 12 or 13 months, but... um, People have to think about that. Again, I go back to the person who retires is elated, but a week later is somewhat deflated because uh, she or he has has nothing to do. You get a person who's been in a high-powered job with a lot of prestige, and all of a sudden you're a retiree now, and uh, I hate to say it, but some people could view you as a has-been. You don't Mm -hmm. want to be a has-been. You want to stay engaged and active, involved with, with people. Right. Uh, and that is uh, a message that's so important to people. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I have an informal group that I meet with once in a while, and that they, <laughs> their, uh, their moniker is uh, not done yet. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how they look at it, themselves. It, put, put that on a bumper sticker. That would, that's a worthwhile one. Right, right. Right. Well, I really do think Ed, that that this is uh, something uh, that can be replicated. Uh, and I, I'm thinking, you know, about um, an organization that called uh, Beacon Hill Village in, in Boston. It, it's not a you know a lifelong learning group, but it but it is. It began as a grassroots idea uh, uh, that of, of seniors getting together and uh, being of service and support to one another. Um, in, a, in a really, uh, you know, comprehensive way, really creating a neighborhood and a community. And now, many years later, they, they've basically put a model uh, together for, um, you know, how to do this and plans sure. that other, you know, you can uh, get their plan uh, and, and basically replicate what they've done. And now there are, you know, I think there are approximately 300 villages, you know, uh, like Beacon Hill Village, um, you know, across the, the U.S. and the world. So, um, you know, I think that this, is, this could be uh, something that, that you could, you know, teach and show the structure um, to other organizations around the country. Uh, I, I think that's a worthwhile uh, endeavor, and it, obviously it's spread. Uh, it does require... But, you know, one of the nice things about these kinds of efforts, you're doing it, I think Terry Simon and Terry Kaufman talked about uh, the deep dive they do in research and, you know, how long it sometimes takes them to do research for a presentation. But you're not under any great pressure, Ron. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. as if your boss, back in the days of work, 
uh, for a paycheck said, I need that report, a report by Friday at 5 o'clock. Right. So, that's when the perspiration begins to build. <laughs> At organizations such as Peer, you don't have that kind of thing. Right. Uh, you right. you want to do things for yourself and for your uh, the other members, but right. the pressure and the anxiety are are not the same. Right, they're not right. there. In fact, right. That's great. Right. Well, look, Ed, you've been a terrific guest. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get in some additional uh, commentary and observations and insights from your other fellow, uh, fellow members. Um, and uh, we're going to have to leave it there for today. But if people have questions for you, Ed, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, I'll give you my email address. That's the, okay. the best way. I'm, I'm not a, a tweeter or anything of that sort. But my email address is edy. J-A-S-P-E-R at A-O-L dot com. That's great. That's great. Uh, and we can tell, tell your friends, if you missed Ed on our live show, you can listen to him as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or on my website, um, roelresources.com. Just go on to roelresources.com and click the 45 forward tab and you can listen to Ed there as well. Um, so, um, Thanks again, Ed. And uh, folks, be, be sure to join me next Monday at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, when I'll be talking with Eunice Lynn Nichols, who is the Vice President of Innovation of Encore.org, which is a visionary nonprofit founded on the belief that the aging of America isn't so much a problem to be solved as it is an opportunity to be seized. It's going to be a fascinating conversation, and you won't want to miss it. So uh, until then, uh, Folks, have a great week. Keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week. 